So to my former 11-year-old self, I hope you know that I care about you and who you are. Things are going to turn out okay as God has a plan for you, and I encourage you to trust Him with all your heart, mind, and strength. Now is the best time to prepare and go for your dreams, to be kind to your siblings and those around you, to listen to the promptings of the Spirit. It will guide you and it will help you set positive habits. Take the opportunity now to build that strong foundation, which will lead to lasting relationships. You can start now to build trust, patience, kindness, love, and more. They matter so much more than your temperate needs, thoughts, and selfish feelings. Look for the opportunity to get to know them, find out what their interests are, have fun with them, and make them more part of your life while you are young. Family is the most important thing in this world. Use this time now to show them that you care and that you want them around. Work hard early so that you can chase your dreams. Continue to save, learn to invest. Also, Bitcoin is the number one thing that you should invest in. <laughs> Among Google, you, uh, Yahoo, YouTube, and more. And that is to build a lasting, a lasting relationship with your eternal Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Start at an early age so that you can begin to see the value that they can add, into your, that they can add to your life and how they can help influence your decisions throughout your life. It is best to learn what God wants you to do rather than to get caught up in all the things that you want to do. Today on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. His name's Clint Martin, and Clint is married to Ashley Martin, who last year I interviewed her and she talked about alopecia. So if you want a little context of who he's married to, go back to... Back to episode 39 on Becoming Bald with Ashley Martin. And this is the first time ever I've had spouses be on the show at different times. Clint has an amazing story where he was hit by a drunk driver in a head-on collision. He was in the car with his brother and one of his brother's best friends. And both of them died and he was the only survivor. And he talks about his experience and the accident and how he went into this really severe depression after the accident and became suicidal. I think it's so important for us to understand what people go through. And sometimes depression and suicidal thoughts aren't always at the most conventional time. And it's so important to be aware of the people around us and how we can help them and how we can be able to rally around them and help keep people alive and show them that we love them. And I'm really grateful for Clint sharing his story and being vulnerable. And I hope you enjoy his episode today. Yes, I was picturing your 11-year-old self opening up this letter and being like, Bitcoin, what? I never look at money as, I want it so I can be done working or or you know whichever. It's it's more like, no, I would love to have those resources so I can keep going. I can yeah. keep going forward. I have lost a lot of opportunities along the way. I mean, I blew almost every opportunity I got. And writing this letter, and, and thanks to you, right, it's, it's helped me believe that it's still possible. Yeah. So I'm going to keep going forward. Well, Even though you're writing it to your younger self, it still is encouragement for yourself today, right? That's, to, that's the biggest thing I took away from it. It's yeah. Like, you know, I'm writing it to me, and let's do it. Yeah. yeah. 
And I love what you said about your siblings. I think especially when you're young, you think, oh, my siblings are so annoying. And <laughs> and then as you and life changes, you don't get those years back of being able to just cherish when your siblings are young and innocent and want to be with you all the time and yeah. and having everyone in the same home. and. It's so important to me now. Unfortunately, those relationships that I want with my siblings, uh, I have to work harder now to strengthen them um, because of my actions in the past. And so it's, yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Were there any formative moments in your childhood that shaped who you are today? Absolutely. I guess the biggest thing to start with is I had two amazing parents. Uh, something that some of my younger siblings did not have. And so I felt that I had a, a completely different childhood than what they did. Yeah, so back when I was about four, my dad used to work for the state hospital. During the Halloween season, they would open it up and run it as the Haunted Castle. That moment right there was crucial to everything that I, I have or everything that I um, think about was was due to my mom and my dad at that moment when I was about like four years old. So for the, uh, for the ages of four, five, and six, I got to help participate in the Haunted Castle. And that's where my love for haunted houses came from. Uh, great opportunities there. And then my dad, he would still continue this Halloween tradition. Every year we'd always do something in the yard and it just continued to grow and grow and grow. And my obsession for fun, scary, like building, creating, like everything. It just all comes from from that experience. That's, That's awesome. I think my number one. Yeah. I would have loved to see your face like being so excited about <laughs> all the so, <laughs> Halloween things. Vampires were the scariest thing for me as a kid, right? So since they were scary for me, I thought that they would be scary for everyone else. So I would dress up as Dracula and try to scare people as they're walking through the haunted house. When you were four or five. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, being younger, my dad didn't want me to get trampled by the people coming down. Uh, so he was on uh, on the floor on this ramp as it would come up around this pillar. And then I was up top, and I'm up there with my cape and everything. I'm trying to be as scary as I can. And then these people are walking through, and they're like, oh, look how adorable he is. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not cute. I'm scary. You know, that's what I'm like, you know. <laughs> trying to tell these people that my dad would pop out and scare them and my mom's up in the bushes next to me and she's using the squirt bottle anyways just one of those like phenomenal memories and so tell us a little bit about your family and your wife for the people who listen to the episodes this is ashley's husband clint yes and she talked about her experience with alopecia. So if you haven't listened to her episode, you need to listen so you can know the amazing other half of Clint. She shares about her experience and she's amazing. I just, I think the world of her. And she told me a little bit about your story. You're the first husband and wife that we've oh, fun. done yeah. on the podcast. So it's pretty cool. Well, she's amazing. And hands down, she's the the best, I mean, I'm just the ball and chain, unfortunately. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, Ash and I, we, we go way back. Uh, I was at a dance, dances with my friends. Uh, it was a girl's choice song that came up, excuse me, and 
all of a sudden there's this girl came up and asked me to dance. Didn't know who she was, but immediately thought that she was like, well, I'm like, wow, she's, she's pretty. I really like this one. <laughs> she was incredible. And after the dance, she was gone. And so, you know, went back and was talking to my friends and they're like, so who was that girl you danced with? I was like, oh, her name's Ashley. And the next time a slow song came up, I went to go look for her and I couldn't find her. She was gone. Uh, fast forward, I was in high school over at Carpet Hills. I was taking a ballroom class and ended up in the same class with Ashley. And so I thought this was my opportunity to get to know her. And thankfully, you know, we can dance more and I can be close to her and hold her. And it was just, you know, it, it was going to be fun. So that's really where our relationship started was in high school. And we dated. Uh... My mom wasn't very happy about that. I knew what I wanted, and it was Ash, and I, that's all I wanted. Here we are. We've been married for 14, going on 15 years, and, and she's, she's amazing. Uh, she has so many gifts and so many talents. It makes me look like I'm doing nothing compared to her. It's just incredible. We learned really quick that marriage wasn't going to be this wonderful, blissful honeymoon, and I love you, and there was a lot of growing pains that that we experienced, and... If I am being honest, I didn't think that we would last, or with the experiences that life throws at us, there was one point where I thought that this wasn't going to last, that I'm going to lose her, and uh, I'm going to be in really big trouble. You know, now we have four beautiful, amazing kids, and absolutely love my family, so... You do have a beautiful family there. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with your brother and what that was like. Yeah, so I have three younger brothers and one sister. Uh, Like I said, I'm the oldest. I love my siblings, and I was very hard on them, honestly. I wasn't kind. I was a bully, and... Instead of strengthening my relationship with them, I was just tearing it apart. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't have a strong relationship with Jacob. I don't know what it was, but as, as I got older and became a little bit more mature, I changed a lot of the, the habits I had created when I was younger. I found out that my brother Jacob, who... I only have negative memories of me hurting and and beating and, you know, just uh, wasn't nice to him. I remember the story being told as, you know, Jacob would, didn't, didn't matter what was going on in life. If Jacob was having a hard day or if the family was having a hard day, whatever it was, uh, Jacob would just say, um, oh, you know, who cares? You know, Clint's coming home. And I didn't deserve that love. I didn't earn that love. But somewhere along the way, he softened my heart. I began building a stronger relationship with my siblings. And Jacob was one of the first that came to me wanting to strengthen that, that relationship. And what a great opportunity. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. Uh, so I started working for a company uh, here in Utah that would sell or that, that sold air cleaners and air purifiers. Uh, Jacob and Michael both joined the company with me, which was awesome. And so we even had the opportunity to work together 
and just the relationship continued to grow and flourish. It was so it just goes to show you that if your children are fighting like crazy as kids, like my children, <laughs> yeah. that they there's hope that they can be yes that the relationship can get better. Yes, you um, know it's interesting. You were talking about this unconditional love because. I feel like my oldest, he's been so hard on the second. Always getting after him. This kind of like aggressive type personality. It's just amazing how much the second one, he just keeps coming back. And he loves his brother so much. I think they're really a special connection with siblings and families that even though we don't always give our families our best, there is this unconditional love and there's this love that children have that they can see past some of those hard moments. I think families are designed to help you to have people who you love that also hurt you that you have to forgive and help evolve and change and let people change. I heard somebody the other day say to allow people to be different from the last time you saw them Mm -hmm. and being able to let people grow up. And sometimes it's hard with our siblings and things because you always picture them as being the young one or like these are our roles in the family But I think it is a beautiful thing to remember that we are given families for a reason to help us to learn these things that we don't really learn with anybody else. It's like we don't have those complicated relationships with anybody else than our family. You know, our friends, it's like a little more simple. Yep. No, absolutely. It, I mean, I think that's one, because of my, my past experience, I have instilled it on my kids that I want them to grow up close together. I want them to grow up and and you know play and have fun and, and include each other. Because I saw what it, what it was what life was like when I would exclude yeah. my siblings and 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 not treat them the way that I would treat them now. And so and I and I'm still, you know, not all the relationships have worked out. I'm still trying to build a, a strong relationship with my youngest brother, but it seems like he doesn't want anything to do with me. And whereas Jacob, man, he, he, he showed me that, that love really does triumph in the end. And he and I were able to work together. I mean, he, he was the first one in our family to do many things on his own. Yeah. And it was incredible to watch him, you know, to be his older brother and think, wow, you're an example to me. I'm learning from you, and you know, and and I really, you know, he really is my favorite brother. But the thing that he would say is that he was everyone's favorite brother. Yeah. <laughs> so he was all of our favorite. Yeah. And I, I strongly believe this that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And and I say that because of the experiences that I've had. This was uh, July 8th of 2015 uh, was the accident. Before the accident, Ashley and myself and our two kids, we had Isaac and Cosette at the time. Oh, man. Cosette was 15 months, so Isaac was, what, about four? We headed up to Canada for a family reunion. So this was, oh, what, like June 20th. About 4.30 in the morning, we were on I-15 just traveling, and we were coming around this bend up towards an overpass. There was a a buck, uh, a deer, on the overpass. 
and not seeing him, you know, with enough time to stop, I originally went to avoid him, but then I just felt myself just line the car directly up with him and we hit the deer. You know, and there's, there's nothing that we can do. And we, you know, totaled our car. Thankfully, airbags, nothing went off. Uh, but thankfully, Ashley and I, you know, the kids, we were all safe. Yeah. And then a couple hours later, you know, eventually a highway patrolman showed up. We got a tow truck. Uh, we made it back to Butte. We got a rental car. Everything worked out. Like, yeah. just, the I, I was calm. I felt this, you know, everything was just good. This was all going to work out. We rented a car. We continued on our trip. Made it back home. Everything was great. Like, it just all worked out. Incredible. Like, I, it was, I, didn't, I didn't have to do anything. It just all fell into place. So, yes, we lost our car uh, that trip. And July is one of the... Our, the 4th of July is our favorite holiday as a family. And so, you know, Jacob, all of us, we're all together for the 4th of July. The, the 4th of July really is just the best. It's fun without the pressures of gifts and yep. all the things. And it's like, whatever you do is just great. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just get together with friends. You get together with family. You have food. I mean, we would do water balloons, you know, volleyball. I mean, or where our tradition began was, you know, years ago, uh, we, we started at um, Sugar House Park up in Sugar House. And, I mean, we had been going there for like 25 years. An incredible experience. So just our go-to place. And you know, I still remember Jacob launching the water balloons. You know, we'd get hit by them. We'd just get wet, just have fun. And it was, it was like the perfect day. It really was. Uh, where we worked at, there was a convention down in Las Vegas. My dad lives in Las Vegas. Uh, I should go back and I don't know if I said this or not, but my parents had divorced about the same time that Ash and I got married. So my dad, he lived in Las Vegas and we were going to have a, a convention down there with, uh, through our company. We were going to start heading down on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. But the Monday before this trip, we were at the office, we were talking with you know, the group, finding out who's all going. I mean, we were going to have a huge caravan. Uh, from you know, our team and our company, we're all going down. And originally, I was going to ride with Jacob in the car, in his car. But I, after talking with my boss, um, there was a lot of stuff that we wanted to cover with the training program as I was their uh, trainer. I was in uh, management with the company, and I would handle all the new recruits and, and the training that we do for uh, our office. So I was going to ride with them down to Las Vegas and talk about work and you know, the program and what we can do to do better, those kinds of things. But I had this feeling that I needed to be in the same car as Jacob. I'm really good at ignoring those feelings, <laughs> unfortunately. it It's something I'm not proud of, but there, there was that impression. It's like... You know, Clint, you need to be in the car with Jacob. But I kept ignoring it, thinking like, no, I need to be in the car with my boss, you know, or in their vehicle, everything will be fine. Just before we all separated that, that evening, Jacob all of a sudden just blurts out. He's like, all right, here's who I want in my car, 
right? Because everyone's just trying to figure out who they're writing with, where they were going, that kind of stuff. And he says, I, I want Clint and I want Kayla in my car. And without hesitation, I was like, I second it because he's listening. If he can find someone to drive for him, he would. He would just give them the keys. Like, you know, I, I mean, I drove his car you know, a handful of times, but it's because he didn't want to drive. Yeah. So that morning, you know, loading up the car and, you know, getting my stuff out there, it was around, oh, what, 530 in the morning, something like that. And I asked Jacob, I was like, hey, do you want me to drive? And he's like, no, I'll drive. And immediately just there's that feeling like, okay, well, that's different. Like normally he would want someone else to drive. Yeah. And uh, so I sat in the passenger seat. We loaded up in the car. I was in the passenger seat. Jacob was driving and Kayla was in the back. Uh, so like I said, just everything happens for a reason. I wasn't driving. Jacob was driving. And, you know, we, we begin the trip as we normally would. And, you know, I have that thought of, you know, you should stop by the office and just check on everyone because the rest of the team, everyone else was meeting at the office at six. And so talking with Jacob and Kayla, it's like, hey, so are we going to stop by and just check on everyone? And from Jacob and Kayla, they're like, no, no, we want to get down to Mesquite so we can get our other coworker, Stacy, a birthday gift. And it's like, oh, okay. Thinking back to my accident or our car accident with the deer, it would have been nice to have been traveling with family members who could have, you know, pulled over and stopped just in case, you know, or let's say something happened, right? It's, it's always nice to caravan with a group of people. Yeah. And so when Jacob and Kayla encouraged us just to jump on I-15 and just go, uh, I had that, that feeling like, you know, you should really stop. But it wasn't a loud feeling. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it didn't seem urgent. It just seemed like just one of those little thoughts like, hey, you know, you should just stop by. So our office was over in uh, Vineyard, uh, Orem area, just off of Center Street. And as we passed Center Street heading south towards Vegas, there was that feeling like, you know, you, you should have stopped. You know, it, it was kind of more like a disappointed feeling. Like, yeah. You know, you should have just stopped. So we're heading south, and we are going through uh, Santa Quinn, coming into Mona. You know, we're, we're talking, we're having fun, you know, just getting kind of nestled in the car as we just begin this six-hour drive. And we take one last photo uh, as a group. I, I take the photo. Some people thought that Jacob took the photo while driving, and that's why we ended up in an accident. So just want to make sure that that's clear. As we just get through Mona... Kayla lets us know that she's going to lay down in the back and she's going to take a nap and to wake her up when we're in Mesquite. And so we're like, okay, that's fine. Heading into Nephi, one of the cities along I-15, uh, I'd fallen asleep. And I don't know why. I just, I was out. And I couldn't even make it from Mona to Nephi. I've fallen asleep. And the next thing I, re I remember, I heard Jacob say, what's this driver doing? And realizing that I was kind of slumped over and asleep, I, I wake up, you know, first wondering why I was asleep. And I look up and immediately, and I, and I see this Jeep Grand Cherokee coming right at us. And, and 
uh, I knew exactly what it was uh, the, the moment I saw it, but I, I just wasn't sure what was all going on. And I look at Jacob, and and I see him slightly turn the wheel to the right. And I look back at you know I look back again uh, in front of us, and the jeep was even closer. And and that that's what I remember. I don't remember the initial impact. I don't remember uh, anything else. I, I was just awake for oh, just a, what three seconds because both vehicles were going eighty miles an hour. I mean, it wasn't um, it wasn't very much time. And then I remember still sitting in the in my seat, thinking like, "Wow, I'm in a lot of pain." I mean, this is the most pain I've ever been in. And that was the first thing that I recognized was just, I was in immense pain. The other thing I recognized was a, a distinct smell. So a couple weeks prior to this accident, right, we told our car, when we hit the deer, our radiator had been you know, shattered, and so you have this antifreeze that went over this motor, and our motor, you know, it was, it was hot, so I call it a hot motor smell, you know, antifreeze and everything over it, and and I associate a lot of memories with smells, so here I am, I'm, I'm in the most pain I've ever been in, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm smelling this smell, this hot motor smell, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, like, that smell only occurred, like, it only comes around when there's an accident, and then I remember the sun being on my face. And I'm thinking, why is the sun on my face? I'm in a car. And I, I open my eyes and I, I don't even recognize, I don't, I don't, I don't recognize anything. Uh, there, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm sitting in. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where Jacob is. I just, a lot of, I don't know that the pain was, was intense. And there was this lady who um, was close by, and she, you know, with her her calm voice, she let me know that we had been in an accident, and the paramedics were on their way. And trying to talk, I I couldn't breathe. Um, Everything just hurt. I I was able to muster out. I was like, "Where's Where's Jacob? Where Where is he? Because he's he's not next to me." And you know, she she lets me know that Jacob is gone. And I'm just thinking, like, I don't know what you mean by that. And so she immediately starts asking me questions. You know, what's my name? Um, am I married? Okay, what's her name? And do we have any kids? I'm like, yes. You know, we have Isaac. We have Cosette. And she's asking, like, how old are they? And you know, and I, and I get what she's doing, but I, I didn't know where Jacob was. And so she keeps me calm. She keeps me. Uh, as, as still as I can, uh, paramedics get there and they, they pull me out of the car and they take me to uh, the Fillmore Clinic. Apparently this accident had taken place, it happened just right in Fillmore. Um, so they, they take me over to the hospital and you know they're, they're asking me to keep my eyes open and all I could do was just keep them closed because I just... Um, I I couldn't breathe, and the pain, it's like, no, let me just focus on trying to breathe. You all do what you need to do. Like, I'm still here, but it, um, this hurts. So 
just, you know, I was trying to tell him, don't talk to me because it hurt. Uh, one thing that I do remember though, uh, sitting in the vehicle or sitting in my, my seat waiting for the paramedics to come, I remember thinking, like, wow, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm dying and my journey in this life is over. And I, uh, I'm 29 at this time. I should say uh, if this matters. So I, I was 29, Jacob was 25, and Kayla, she was 26. And so I remember sitting in the car thinking like, okay, I'm done. And I, and I remember having a conversation or telling Heavenly Father, you know, telling God that I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to come home. And then immediately, like, I don't even know where this thought came from, but the thought was, but if you need me to stay, I'll stay. And I remember thinking, why did I say that? <laughs> like, I... You're yeah. like I'm in so much pain right now. Just, yeah, like, let's be... like no, I, I'm good. I'm done. Like I, I, I'm, I am at peace with where I'm at and where I'm going. I didn't, I didn't worry about. I wasn't scared to death. I was, I was ready. But then, if you need, if you need me to stay, I'll stay. And I'm just thinking, oh, where did that come from? Uh, so when I was in the hospital, or uh, there at the the Fillmore Clinic. Uh, you know, they're moving me into uh, the emergency room and, and they're asking a lot of questions. One of the questions that they're asking is, uh, you know, was Jesse in your car? And I have no idea who Jesse is. I don't, I don't know who Jesse is. I don't, why, are you, why are you asking? I'm like, who's, Je- you know, who's Jesse? Was she in your car? Do you know Jesse? I'm like, no, I don't know who Jesse is. Uh, come to find out, Jesse actually was the girl driving the other vehicle. And what, what had happened, it was a head-on collision on I-15. We were heading south. She was in the southbound lanes heading north. Apparently she was impaired and collided with our car. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I don't think that people understand fully that when you get behind the wheel of a car... If you're distracted, if you're impaired, like you really can change someone's life. And she changed our lives at that moment. I mean, in some ways, you know, for the better, yes. But also it made it really hard in a lot of other ways. And, you know, so I'm asking these, uh, the the nurses, like, you know, I don't know who Jesse is. Stop talking about her. I was just, I'm, I'm angry at this point because I'm in so much pain. I'm being asked questions I don't know answers to. And it's like, I just, I don't want to feel this anymore. And, uh, you know, they, they, they cut my clothes off and I'm thinking, no, no, don't, don't cut my shorts. Those are my favorite shorts. But they, they cut them off. I'm like, ah, dang it. You know, you guys could just, anyways. Um, and, and I've had surgery before, a couple surgeries uh, prior to this. So I'm, I'm used to being... Um, taken care of by medical professionals. Uh, one thing they, they told me is that I had a collapsed lung and that they needed to stick a tube in my side so that way uh, I could breathe better. And I knew that the only way they can get a tube in me is by cutting into my, my side. So I feel them numb me up and I feel the pressure of them making the incision. 
the next thing that comes, holy cow, like it was, it was, it was brutal. So I, I didn't know this at the time, but yeah, I had a collapsed lung. Um, I had like five broken ribs and this is on my left side. So my left side had been, um, thrashed pretty hard because Jesse had cut through the car. I mean, it looks like a, the car looks like a pizza slice. Excuse me, where there, there, there was no driver's side of the vehicle. It was gone. And uh, so I, I feel him, I feel this nurse uh, numb me up and then you know, make the incision so they can take this tube and, and go through the rest of the tissue. That, that numbing agent, though, can only go so deep. So as soon as he starts coming in, it's just it's just pain. It just it hurts so bad. And so they're they're digging through my ribs, they're digging through the tissue, and I'm feeling all of this. And I'm thinking, and like I said, I kept my eyes closed for most of it, just because I was just trying to focus on staying calm and allowing them to do what they needed to do. Uh, at this point, though, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm gonna hit this guy in the face. So. I'm talking to my right hand and I'm saying, right hand, hit him in the face. <laughs> and I'm saying all this in my head. Uh, I, I knew exactly where he was sitting and like, I just, I could just see where he was with my eyes closed, right? I'm like, I'm just going to hit him right in the face. But my, my right hand wouldn't move. And so my right hand hit him in the face and it wouldn't move. I'm like, okay, left hand, you hit him in the face and my left hand wouldn't move. And that was the first instance where I had experienced panic I thought I was paralyzed and that was that was terrifying I I, so scared and and thankfully that that moment was very brief because the another I don't know if he's the one that was in charge whatever like is he sedated and they're like no and I'm like I feel everything please put me out and I love anesthesia. Like, <laughs> like I said, I've had a couple surgeries, and that is my. I can't favorite. believe they didn't. Yeah, no. I, I, I were they like, just trying to keep you alive, so they wanted you breathing? I, I think yes. Yeah, so I was in critical condition. Uh, my injuries were so I had my face was all broken, um, broke my nose again. I mean, I can't tell you how many times this nose has been broken, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I have this scar here. This is not from my car accident. This was from another accident that I had when I was seventeen. Anyways, that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah, so my face is all is all busted. Uh, my teeth are broken. Uh, my almost bit my tongue off. Um, Yikes! Uh, just and then I have fractures in my spine, um, collapsed lung, five broken ribs, ruptured diaphragm. Uh, come to find out that I also um, ruptured my intestines and my spleen. Like I, they, they weren't they, there was holes in them, so they had to repair them. Anyway, so basically all my intestines were up in my my chest cavity and. Anyways, just a bunch of other stuff too, but those those were the major ones. And and so yeah, he comes in and goes, "Is he is he sedated?" I'm like, "No, just put me out. I don't want to feel this anymore." Yeah. Um, the next thing I I know is I'm waking up in the hospital and I'm surrounded by my family and and you know and that's it. I mean, it you know that that was it. It I couldn't talk. When I woke up, just because I, I had a tube in my mouth and, uh, you know, hooked up to machines and stuff, um, I found out that I'd only been in the bed for a day. 
So it hadn't, hadn't been months, so I wasn't in a coma, which is great. Yeah, yeah I love that. Uh, but my first question was, where's Jacob? And it was confirmed that Jacob was gone. And immediately I turned to the Lord in that moment. I, mean, I just, I knew what I was going to do. I knew what I was going to do for Jacob. I knew what I needed to do. I mean, just, it all, it was very clear what I was going to do. And, uh, and I wouldn't change that. You know, I wouldn't change uh, the, the, the situation. I was very happy that I was the one that was in the car to be with Jacob in this last moment and you know everything happened for a reason i mean i was the only one that survived that ar- that car accident jacob uh, he was killed on impact kayla was killed on impact and the other gal uh, she died uh, the next day from the car accident she was just a few doors down from me at the same hospital um for some reason i made it and and i and it, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be a parent. You know, my mom knew that we were going down. My dad was waiting for us, right, because he lived in Vegas. And you know, we called him that morning, letting him know we were on our way. And, and you know, just in Fillmore. That, that's where the, the journey stopped. And my parents lost uh, Jacob. <laughs> so... I woke up and my dad was there in the hospital and, you know, he wanted to make sure I wasn't paralyzed. So he did a few tests. My dad's in the medical field. He's, he's a nurse as well. And it was really nice to have him there to know that he was also going to help take care of me and help me on my uh, road to recovery. Um, you know, he made sure I wasn't paralyzed, which was nice. And then he told me, you know, he's like, Clint, you know, you need to, not worry about Jacob right now. You need to focus on you. You need to get better for you, you know, for you, for your wife and your kids. And it seemed like right then and there, I turned off all emotion. I just turned everything off and just focused on what I needed to do. Kind of went in that survival mode. Quick yeah. question. Do you think Jacob turning the wheel, do you think that's that saved your life? Absolutely. 100%, because if I was any closer to the center of the car, or um, any closer to the car who that hit us, uh, I would have been killed as well. We all would have, we all would have died. Everyone we listening... Can, we can share a picture. Yeah, everyone listening, you won't be able to see it, but this is what... It doesn't even look like a car. Yeah, this is what his car looked like, and this is where I was sitting. Wow. So if he hadn't put me out, you know, just inches, right? Just, you know, I mean, my arm was almost ripped off. It was dislocated and, uh, you know, yeah, there, there's damage done to my arm, but not life-threatening damage. And, but yeah, that, that's what I, that's what I, I survived. Wow. So. Well, it's amazing to think that in his final act of his life that he chose he to me. save you. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Even uh, the state troopers, uh, you know, they they talk about how when someone sees another vehicle coming at them and they know that they're going to collide, usually the driver will turn the car towards the left to try to put a little bit more cushion in between the driver and that other vehicle. 
It's his instinct. But for whatever reason, Jacob, he put himself in it instead of me. And yeah, you know, 100%. He, he saved me. I also feel like uh, I was in a bubble. Um, well, it's crazy. I, we'll show a picture of the car, but I mean, it's yeah. like completely damaged, and then your seat is it's the only thing that was intact. completely protected. Like the yeah. the seat's intact, and everything else is completely smashed. Yeah, even the roof, as it was ripped back, it um, it went around my head instead of like through my head. Anyways, just. If I were to go back and sit in it, uh, it looked like that there was the bubble, you know, and not a very big bubble, but just a, a, a enough that I was. I mean, I'm not paralyzed. I'm not missing anything. I, you know, I, I'm able to, in a sense, I was able to walk away from that car accident. So, it, yeah, it was, it's a miracle. So, what was life like? For you after the accident, what changed? Um, everything. Yeah, and I mean, what changed? Uh, so. I know that's a very vague question. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's it's great. It going back to the you know the instance where I turned off all emotion, put on a happy face. You know, I had to. You know, I was in the ICU just for, what, I think a total of nine days, I think at the most. And, and the reason why I wasn't in there longer is because I wanted to be at Jacob's funeral. And they, they tried to postpone it as long as they could. But about nine days after the accident, they had the funeral for Jacob and I wanted to be there. Knowing that I shouldn't be at the hospital, but I wanted to be there. So I was talking to the uh, ICU, there you go, ICU staff. Uh, I, had, I had asked... I want to go to a, my brother's funeral, so can I leave the hospital and then come back? And they're all, oh, absolutely, but insurance may not like that. <laughs> so <laughs> insurance may say, well, if you're good enough to go to a funeral, then you're good enough to go home. So I left that morning for the funeral, and after that I went home. And so Ashley, she continued to care for me and help. You know, I had to have shots that she had to give um, in my in my stomach and. I mean, I had to, I had the laparoscopic surgery, which is great. That way, they didn't have to cut me open. I don't have too many scars, but uh, they were able to you know, pull my intestines down, repair all the damage, you know, fix just you know the spleen and everything else, and you know, just made a full recovery. Uh, it was a long recovery, though. I mean, it everything hurt. Like, it wasn't comfortable. I mean, in the hospital, morphine was great. And they gave me Percocet to get me off morphine. But with Percocet, I didn't like how it made me feel. Uh, it, it, I felt cloudy as far as in, in my thinking. And uh, yeah, overall, I just didn't like it. So I didn't want it. And that's when I asked, you know, what else do you got? Like, well, you can do ibuprofen and Tylenol every four hours. Done. Let's do it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I live in pain now. I'm still, in, you know, I still have pain. Uh, I still have issues, and it's been, uh, we're coming up on seven years now. Going back to what changed, I mean, my, I would have to say that part of my personality changed, uh, knowing that I just had to focus on 
healing and recovering. It took me a minute to go back to work. And, um, but while I was in the hospital, I mean, you know, I'd turn on the TV every now and then, and there was this commercial that came on. It, it was a seatbelt commercial. And I only saw it once, and I only saw it in the hospital. It, I felt like it was created for me, specifically for me, because it shows these angels coming down and wrapping their arms around, and, and the angels are the wife and, and the daughter, they come down, they wrap their arms around their father yeah. as he experiences a car accident. And super powerful. And immediately like, I, just, I just burst out in tears just thinking like, holy cow, like, that's why I'm alive. is because of angels that held me as I went through whatever it was, right? I don't know. I mean... I went through a car accident, but I... Because, I mean, looking at the car and what as happened... As we approached... You weren't meant to You know, July 8th. Exactly. Everyone said I should be dead. You know, the doctors, you know, the, the started highway state patrolmen, everyone was like... I wasn't in the right mindset. I can't believe that this, you know, someone's still alive. off. And kind of going back to where, you know, in the hospital where I turned off all emotion. I mean, I, I smiled. I seemed happy. You know, and everything was fine, right? That, that's kind of the... the picture I painted that, you know, Clint was fine, but I, I started to realize that I wasn't, you know, that I wasn't okay. These, these walls that I had built to hold everything back, I felt like started to, you know, the cracks were coming and then things were starting to seep through. And I, I knew, I recognized that I wasn't in the right mindset. So the first person I turned to was my boss, uh, thinking that she would understand a little bit more of what I was going through uh, when she has a, a psychology degree. You know, Jacob, Kayla, you know, we all, we all work together. So, yeah, let me turn to her because she maybe, you know, she is someone who might, I might be able to relate to. And as I began to open up to my boss and let her know that I'm not okay, the first thing that she says is, shouldn't you be over this by now? <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's not even a year. Like, does anyone get over the fact that their brother died? Yeah. Like, did... like their, their favorite brother is gone. He's never, he's not coming back. At least not now. Just super cold. And it really rubbed me the wrong way. And so I felt like, okay, I have to do this on my own. I mean, one thing that I, I have tried to do in everything, and I'm not perfect, is I always try to go to Ashley and let her know, hey, you know, this is, you know, something I'm thinking about or this is how I'm feeling, you know. Yeah. I try to be open with her. So before I did that with Ashley, I, I started to think like, okay, I, I guess that I'm, I need to be over this, but I don't know how to do it. And my emotions are starting to come back like that. I don't, I don't like what's going on it seemed like a darkness just started to creep into my life. And this is the first time I've ever experienced that. I mean, I hadn't experienced depression. The first thing I started to feel was survivor's guilt, all the regret, all the pain, just kind of like the mental anguish. It, it was something I wasn't prepared for. I, I didn't know how to handle it. And 
it was the first time I thought about suicide. And I, and I hate saying that. I remember sitting in my office and I had a, a firearm on me. They, I'm sorry if, you know, if there's someone who's listening who um, may have experienced something like this because it's, it's, not, it's not nice. You know, I thought about, like, this, this is too hard. And I don't have the support. No one, like, no one understands what I'm going through. Um, all I can think about was I want to end it. And knowing that I had a firearm on me, thinking, oh, okay, this would be an easy way. Immediately, I had other thoughts come in. And it's like, no, don't do that. You don't want to do it to the gals that you work with because they're in another office. You don't want them to hear that go off. You don't want to hear it. You, know, you don't want them to come and see the aftermath of, of something like that. Like, yeah. come on, like, you don't want to do that. And, and, it, and you, know, you start talking to yourself. You start, you start thinking like, no, okay, you're right. This isn't, this isn't good, but I'm still not, I'm still not okay. I'm still not yeah. in my right mindset. And immediately I call my wife after that, after that, that initial thought. Uh, I call Ash and I, and I tell her, I was like, honey, I'm not, I'm not in a good space right now. I want you know, I want to, I want to be done. And, you know, and she, she tells me, okay, you need to come home. You know, let's talk. And I tell my boss, I'm like, hey, I need to go home. I, I, I got to go. And so I leave the office. And immediately we start trying to find someone I can talk to, just someone who can help me. I've gone to counseling for six months, yeah. never feeling like it, it did anything. Like the, the gentleman I was talking with uh, and, 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 you know, and seeing every week, a uh, great guy. And I feel that he, you know, does a great job with what he, what he does, but it necessarily, necessarily wasn't helping me. It was just, yeah. I was just going through the motions, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to counseling, I'm seeing someone and, uh, they're, they're helping me through what I'm going through, but yeah. my emotions were turned off. I was just really numb and I didn't feel like it was going anywhere. So I stopped it. So I, I connected with this one lady. I feel that she gave me exactly what I needed to hear. She had explained that it sounds like, you know, Clint, you are caught in between two worlds. You have one foot that is here in this world, but then you have another foot that wants to be in the spirit world, right? You want to, you, you want to be done with this life. And so you're, you're caught right in the, in the middle and you need to make a decision now on what side you're going to be on. And I loved how she said that because well, one, even though I wanted it, if you know the Twilight series, where at the end, you know, that you have Bella talking and it's like, you know, living is hard, dying is easy. And that was something that always stuck with me. And, you know, something that Ash and I, you know, just like, oh, you know, living is so hard. You know, dying would just be easy. And having that moment where I could have been done, but I'm, but I'm still here. I felt like I was robbed of that opportunity to move on, to then do something different. In my mind thinking, do something more, right? And so having um, this, this therapist explain it to me to where I can understand really helped out. And, and I'm not saying it, it, it fixed it, but it helped me in my 
going forward, if that makes sense. Uh, I knew that I wasn't going to take my own life and that I needed to make the decision to be here. And so from that point, I started to do more things with, with purpose, like, okay, I'm, I'm here, so let me go ahead and, and do this and this and this, right? It's just trying to get back into life, dealing with the emotion I still needed to do. And it felt like I was in the dark for a very long time. Um, I think probably for about five years, I just felt darkness. What do you wish other people knew about depression and suicide? And what do you think people can do to help their loved ones when they're going through these hard times? That's a great question. Uh, what can people do to help when others are going through tough times? I think the biggest thing, and this is just for me, is that the person who's struggling and who's facing a lot of uh, pressure uh, or uh, just, uh, I call it a darkness, right? Just um, nothing was going to make me happy. I had to find my support. You know I mean, I had to do something on my end to reach out. And I think that's something I would encourage is that if you are you know, struggling, reach out to someone someone that you trust, someone that you, you can, and and hopefully they're going to be able to help you. I mean, I know not everyone has an Ashley. Yeah. And don't be like the boss and say, aren't you over it by now? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and speaking, you know, from that, that angle, you know, I have people say, like, I know what you're going through. My thought in my head is, no, you don't. You don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. I want to die. You know, I want to be done. But it's not like... I want to take my life. It's if I'm going to take my life, I want to make sure that I'm not going to exist after this. So I, I strongly believe and know that there is life after death. But if I was going to do something as as crazy as that to take my own life, I didn't want to live after that. It's like I would only do it if I had you know the the absolute knowledge and assurance that if I end it now, I was done existing wow. and because of what I know I didn't I didn't do it because I know that I would have to still live I know that I'd have to still keep going on even though I didn't want to that it wasn't going to be the end I mean if I was going to end it it was I was just going to end everything and, and I don't have that power. And I mean, I, I even got to the point where I was trying to push Ashley away. And this is something that uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. Ashley was such a great strength and a support to me through you know, the, the toughest times. I mean, I told her I would rather get hit by a car again than have to go through all this mental anguish that's you know the aftermath yeah way more painful than the actual physical pain exactly that you went through. yes 100% and when you have someone who says I know what you're going through it's like you you don't I'm sorry you don't and even for me who has gone through my experience I still don't know what let's say you know Liz like what you're going through I mean I can't even I can't even comprehend 
what that's like. And so I can't just say like, you know, I know what you're going through and it's going to be okay. You know, everyone has a different experience. And, yeah. you know, the biggest thing I can say is, you know, you need to find someone that you can talk to. You need to find someone. And maybe that is through a therapist or maybe it's through a friend, a family member. I don't know. But someone that you can turn to that can help you get through it. But just know that it may not be the end. You, you still will have to work through it. I mean, I got to the point where I was trying to push Ashley away because I started to resent her as as being the one reason why I'm still here. And, and I mean, I, I love my kids. You know, I mean, whatever reason Ashley took the kids and left, like I would be devastated. Probably more that she took the kids than her leaving. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> like no, you're not taking my kids. I, yeah. it, you know, they're my world. But it seemed like I was living because Ashley because she wanted you to be was alive. was my rock yeah that, yeah that she was my reason for living and do you think if you would have felt like that mental anguish right away people would have been more sympathetic do you think that because you kind of turned off the emotions it through yeah I put on this this facade right that yeah. that I was okay and so when all of a sudden I wasn't okay people didn't understand that they didn't they're like well you were just happy a couple weeks ago why are you now sad? here right and it almost like, probably oversimplifying like you should be grateful that you're a lot like, that you survive you know instead yeah. of like hearing out how are you feeling I think a lot of times there's really good intentions that people are like well if you just count your blessings or if you just do that like be grateful for the things you have be like live your life to the fullest all these things that doesn't really solve depression and that no. doesn't help that anguish to go away and so I yeah. so but what would you say I mean help the most yeah. do you think anyone well, besides it, Ashley could have said something to no. be helpful well I mean oh, that that's a hard question I feel once again going back to my experience with um, the therapist right she did say those things Clint you need to decide you know which world you want to be in because right now you're caught in the middle of both you know you have to make a decision now and so I made that decision say, like, okay, I'm going to live. But now I'm not happy about this. Yeah. Right? And so I, I started to kind of branch out and see if I can bring other things into my life that would make me happy. Yeah. And some of these things weren't good things. I mean, Ashley and I, we, I, I, and I would try and tell her, like, Ash, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Like, I need, I need help. And there were, there were instances where I was hurting her. And then you have my boss who continues to throw in her two cents, which wasn't helpful at all. You know, she, she made it sound like I was being selfish. Maybe I was, okay? But I'm dealing with all this stuff that I don't know how to handle. I mean, it was, five years after the accident is when I finally grieved Jacob. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't in the hospital. It wasn't at his funeral wasn't a year later. It was, it was five years after the fact that I finally grieved the loss of Jacob. And, uh, you know, my, my boss, you know, just saying like, you know, Clint, you need to get out of your head. You need to think about Ashley, you know, and then she goes on and, and I'm, I know this is taking a different turn, but even my boss got to the point where she was, inserting herself into my personal life and started to talk to my wife behind my back and saying that she needs to leave me 
so that way I recognize and I or uh, or that I realize what's important to me, right? That, wow. that just unprofessional. So out of line. Yes, thank you. It was it was uncalled for. It was out of line, and I, I went to work on a Monday, and Ashley told me what she had said Monday night. I didn't go back to work after that. It was just it. I mean, yeah. my boss called and was like, "Hey, are you coming in you know, on Tuesday?" I was like, "Nope, I'm not. I'm not coming back." Yeah. And I cut it off. It that was it. And I, and I started to work with Ashley on on many things. But then, like I said, it it got to the point where in, in dealing with these thoughts and you know the depression, the darkness, it 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 didn't go away overnight. Um, this was in uh, September of 2019 that I did almost everything I could to push her away. There was, there was a, a line that I would not cross, and that was um, causing any physical harm or anything like that to Ashley. But, I mean, I was trying to push her away. I just, I just wanted to be done. And, I mean, this wasn't long ago, right? Just And did you feel like if you made a separation between the two of you, then it would be easier for... Be easier to be done. Yeah. 100%. I was like, this is it. You know, this is how I can, if I can justify it to where I can push her away and she would let go, then then that, that that's reason enough that I could be done. But I would, you know, oh man, just, it was awful. I, I don't like it. I so wasn't what, happy. What changed? What, how did you? You know, that is a, a great question. And I'm not exactly sure what it was. Just when I realized that she wasn't going to go anywhere, I realized that I need to change my mindset. And 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 I, I just opened up to her and I told her everything that I could. And it seemed like it was it. You know, I was able to get through it. All of a sudden, those clouds started to go away. The light started to come back, and I mean, life hadn't hasn't gotten easier. Yeah. But things did get better. It's wonderful. And where I'm at now, as far as in my career, I'm in real estate. Um, I'm on a team that's phenomenal. I'm what I do. I'm really happy. Like this is the first time in a long time where I'm happy. Yeah. And. I mean, I, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm happy. Yeah. And I'm happy with my wife. I'm happy with our children. I'm happy with the location that we're in and the circumstances that we're in. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Everything happens for a reason. And though I still have goals and plans of my own and things that I want to do that maybe won't happen tomorrow or the yeah. next day, or the day after, it's it's this opportunity like what you've given me to talk to myself, you know, and to say, you know what, everything's gonna work out. Uh, there, there's a saying that you know, everything works out in the end. So if it's not working out now, then we know it's not the end. Right? What what I do have, I am so grateful for because I really have so much. I'm, I'm still alive. I. I like I said, I'm not exactly sure what it was that changed for me personally, but it was, you know what, 
I think it was the fact knowing that Ashley was not going to give up on me. Yeah. And so I shouldn't give up on myself. You know, and... I think one message that I've learned from you today is these people that are pivotal people in your life, Jacob and Ashley, no matter what you did and no matter the decisions that you made, they were there for you. They loved you unconditionally and they knew your heart and knew who you were as a person and they could look past all the flaws (laughs) during the, the darker times. You talked about your marriage and how life wasn't this honeymoon phase of life, but I think True love and real love is loving people despite the imperfections. You know, anyone can love somebody who during the honeymoon phase where everything's peachy and perfect and everyone's nice and happy, but to really love someone fully, the the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of that. And also, I think that's what's beautiful about the love we have for our families because we get to see all the sides of them. We don't just get to see the happy side that that the rest of the world sees, but that we can love each other despite those imperfections, I think is, yeah. is beautiful. Thank you. So I, I would agree. It, in, at, at the end of the day, family is what matters. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I, I feel so blessed to have married my best friend and to truly see that she is my best friend, knowing that she stuck with me even though I was doing everything I could to tear it apart. Um, at the end of the day, I'm just so grateful and so happy. It's, you know, I encourage everyone to find, you know, their strength and their support through family or, you know, friends. I mean, what friends are just family that we pick up along the way, yeah. right? It's We have our family assigned to us and <laughs> yeah. then our friends are the... People that we, we choose. Pick, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's so life is good, and there there is good in everything. Uh, I've I've learned a lot, but I know that I still have a lot more that I need to learn, and I'm I'm in a place now where I'm open to learning. And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is you just have to have that right mindset of, okay, well life's not going the way I want. It's not going the way I expected. So what can I learn from this moment now? Yeah. And that's where we're at. So it's good. I usually ask people if they could go back in time and give give themselves advice, what would they say? But we had an interesting conversation before, and I'd like to ask you if you could tell your future self something, mm-hmm. what would you say? Wow, that's awesome. You made it this far. You will never forget where you've come from. I mean, the, the experiences that you've gone through are life-changing, memorable experiences. And to never forget them, no matter where you end up in life. You know, if you uh, end up chasing your dreams again and they're coming true, excellent. You know, congratulations. That, that's what you wanted, right? That's, that's what you're working for. But don't forget where you've been, where you've came from, who's helped you along the way. Like, remember to help others along the way. But once you make it to a certain level, turn right around and help the next person in line. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, I hope that you get, you know, everything that that you want. Um, Remember, though, to keep God number one. 
keep your family close, keep your friends close, and just yeah, don't forget where you came from, what you made through. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing this awesome experience. Thank you, you know, for the opportunity. Absolutely.